1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Road of His College Football Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Stéphane Leco, joined by my co-host, Matt Wispay. This podcast is being brought to you by Blue Wire. Indeed, Online. We are happy to have you here. We've got a lot to get into this week. A lot of news and notes to, to jump into. Most of it, unfortunately, is uh, upsetting and disappointing and maybe even depressing. We're going to talk about a couple of quarterbacks from the Pac-12, talk a little bit of Big Ten football, and then get into our recap from last week, and then of course finish up the show with our Week Eleven picks and locks. But before we jump in any further, Matt, how
2: are you holding up today? I mean, it was like ten minutes ago that we got the news that Ohio State's game was canceled. So yeah. I'm great. <laughs> I don't have anything? I mean, I, I I'm disappointed, but truthfully, I. I've been operating this season under the assumption that Ohio state was going to play um, like six games on the air. And the fact that I get to see him at all, I'm still happy. But sure. honestly, after how the secondary played last week, I'm a, I'm maybe a little okay. We don't have to play Rakeem Jarrett this week. So yeah. Little I early. mean, I was
1: really curious to see what this Maryland team was actually all about because they, you know, two and one way better than I anticipated them to be so far. And this was going to be obviously their their biggest test. And I was curious if they were going to be able to keep it interesting for a little while. Of course, the line was at like 24 and a half. So uh, but yeah, disappointed. I mean, that's that's the big news of uh of the day right now. We've got uh right now we're at seven games that have either been postponed or canceled, including um, I mean, you got ULM, Arkansas State, Memphis Navy, and then uh Air Force Wyoming, which I know you were disappointed about. Um, and then some of the bigger marquee games We have got yeah texas a&m tennessee georgia missouri alabama lsu and of course as you mentioned ohio state maryland so a lot of fun games kind of taken off the slate on a week that already had you know not the most exciting matchups so yeah definitely a bit of a buzzkill
2: yeah i mean it's a bummer but we all kind of knew this you were gonna have weeks like this it's um just kind of part of college football. I will say uh, to Maryland, um, I'm sorry, baby or, um <laughs> I called you a Matt-caliber quarterback. I think you're a little better than that now.
1: Yeah. Maybe he's, a little he's, bit. He's looking decent since that first week. It's weird, though. This week, we do not have any top 25 teams playing against each other. Well, just seems weird. A it's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, another news. Um, also, bummer. Tamorian Terry, who was having a pretty rough year anyway, has uh, left the program. He opts out for the rest of the season. Um, in the show doc, I wrote arrow pointing way down as far as Devi goes. I mean,
2: yikes! Right? Yeah, I'm. I ta- I've been. I mean, I'm pretty honest about where I've stood about Tomorian Terry all year. I was low on him entering this season compared to consensus. I was. Um, quick to lower him down my ranks i was quick to uh tell everyone that he sucks and i hold that opinion still the one thing i will say is if his speed is what we think it is which is potentially running in the four threes at his size he's going to be one of the stars of whatever the combine looks like and I don't think like the one thing that will kind of buoy his stock a little bit from just being mass plummet is the fact that some owner is probably going to fall in love with his athleticism. So before you just completely kill him off and say that he's a non-factor and trade him away for a future 10th round pick, not that anyone should ever play in a devi league with 10 rounds um, each year. But before you make a ridiculous trade where you trade him off for nothing or pennies, just consider the fact that if he does run in the four threes, his stock is probably going to rise immediately following the draft or immediately following the combine when he starts to get buzz. And that is probably a better time to try and trade him away. And if you are someone who is looking to... um buy him and potentially flip him, this is actually a time when you do throw out that cheap offer, throw out a 2021 fourth and just see if like the person's just annoyed having him on their roster and seeing him flounder or throw. If the guy has him and he's a contender, throw him an aging veteran to see if he'll just bite to pick up something just because he might have a decent amount of value come mid April. And that's when you can, but then look to flip him. So that's the one thing to keep in mind I, while I I am the the leader of the I Hate Tomorrow Ontario club. See this as a potential buy flip opportunity because I do think that there is a chance that you can sell for a decent price later. Yeah, I was going to say
1: sometimes it's hard to do that the trade where you're just like offering a late pick for him, but if you can maybe package him in a deal like acquire him alongside someone else. Um that might be easier way to go because people be like, wait, 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 why do you want Terry all of a sudden? You know? So definitely. But yeah, like you said, just there's also people- like you're
2: dumb and like you don't know what you're talking about. Say, well, I just I want to get some type of f- no, I'm kidding. Um you're right. The the future, the low end pick for a player is is very difficult sometimes. But yeah, I
1: like I like trying to acquire him. I also like I I kind of fell in love with him actually right when you were dropping him kind of right before the season, just watching tape on him, seeing how quick he was and looked good. He had the size and was, yeah, was wanting to uh, buy in and then man, it's been a disappointing year for him. So hopefully for his sake, he's able to just crush the combine, get an opportunity to, uh, to show what he can do at the next level. But for now arrows pointing down. So uh, pretty unfortunate couple of things I want to talk to you about Matthew. Uh, one was the, Let's just jump into the Pac-12 quarterbacks. I know that that you want to talk about some of this stuff too, but Tyler Shuck, my boy at Oregon, I was really, really impressed with him. He had one kind of bad pass that got picked off that he threw across the middle, but he looked really, really good. He had a beautiful, deep shot to Micah Pittman that Pittman just grabbed with one hand for like a 44-yard gain. It was really pretty. Uh, But I was most impressed with his rushing. I mean, he went 11 for 85. His touchdown run, was just sick he like faked to the right or maybe he was actually gonna run to the right but just stopped on a dime and uh, cut to the left and just ran it uh for i mean it was only like an eight yard touchdown but it was really really pretty he looked really impressive i think with tyler shuck at quarterback or oregon's offense will be good enough to win any game and their defense which is young, looked. Good enough to me so i was really encouraged watching tyler play i'm glad they gave him the opportunity i don't think that this offense is uh, going to be as explosive and as vertical as maybe i was hoping it would be under moorhead of course maybe they just didn't have to against stanford uh, but it looks like he'll be able to do the job uh, for oregon and i'm excited
2: it's funny that he's your takeaway from that game because i, I was going back through that game i didn't watch any of that game um well, Sorry. there was
1: another big game on at the time, so I understand. Yeah,
2: Rutgers and Ohio State. We we know <laughs> um, no, which I didn't watch a second of that game either. Um, but the one while I was kind of prepping my article for this week, I I went back and looked at it, and the player that I came away most excited by was C.J. Verdell, who he looked great, twenty carries, one hundred and five yards, and a touchdown. I mean, that's what you want for a guy that might be the forgotten man in this class who actually might have some upside as a late day two kind of guy. I'm happy to see him go out and immediately be productive. So while you are sitting there super excited about Tyler Shuck being the quarterback.
1: I did write about Shuck those earlier this off season, I mean, So I needed fairness, him to produce.
2: He's I think he's better than uh, I expected. We'll see the stat line's fine. And I think that he is a, he will do enough to get you guys to the PAC 12 championship. Yeah. Yeah. And the quarterbacks I want to talk about though, are obviously I talk about Jaden Daniels all the time. um, But so in week one in uh, breakfast ball, we got Arizona state against USC and statistically This game looks like it favors Slovis a ton. He went 40 for 55, 381 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. And he did run the ball. I'm a little bit impressed because he never runs the ball, but he went six for 21 in running. The one thing I will say is his offense is if you are not putting up video game like numbers, it's a little bit more concerning. So that's sort of, while that line looks really good, he also had kind of two late touchdown passes that kind of saved how it looked. Um, One to Brew McCoy, who uh, caught a tipped pass. Yeah, that was was pretty funny. And then uh, his second touchdown to Drake London, which was a great-looking ball, but the only reason they were even in the opportunity for him to get his second touchdown pass was because of an onside kick recovery. So it could have ended up being very... It could have ended up being... Similar yardage, no touchdowns in one pick. So while good game, I think that's basically a status quo type game for him. I don't think it's going to make me move him above Hal. I don't think it's going to make me um, push him above Rattler, who I think I currently have above him. Um, Yeah, on the other side, Jaden Daniels from uh, passing numbers, it looks like he struggled a lot. He went 11 for 23, 134 yards and a touchdown. He has a lot of young wide receivers and it kind of showed. Uh, Johnny Wilson is a freshman receiver for them. He had four targets and no receptions. And at least on, I think, two of the opportunities, I remember him kind of dropping passes. Um, I, wha- I think a lot of people kind of just put in shock that uh, Frank Darby was going to take over and be Brandon Ayuk because they kept just filling in that role year after year after year. Doesn't look like he's going to be that guy. I question a little bit how good this offense is going to be with that or in the passing game. While I, but I will say that um, they've got weapons, so it should improve over the year. The one thing that did stand out as a, a big positive for me. His running game is legit. Eleven for hundred, eleven carries for one hundred eleven yards. I, I'm pretty excited about that. They really should have won this game. They had a post game win expectancy of eighty three percent. I can't move him up. But I can tell you that I, as the game that I did watch the most of, I didn't come away from this game thinking Jaden Daniels was a below-average passer. I think that he will improve as the year goes on. And I think that against teams that are in weaker competition, you may see his stats kind of inflate a little bit better. So um, yeah. right now, I, I mean, think you still have to give Slovis the edge. But I'm telling you, guys, I'm, I really do believe that Jaden Daniels has... Ridiculous upside.
1: Yeah, and he did lose Frank Darby in the first half to a rib injury. That definitely didn't help him either. Uh, losing your your best your best receiver definitely is going to hurt. But yeah, I, I agree with your takeaway. I think Slovis got almost all of those rushing yards on one run too. So yeah, uh, it d- definitely was one one big run that kind of uh, set him aside. I, I wanted to talk a little bit with you about the Big Ten. Uh, the only thing that's not confusing about the Big Ten right now. Is Ohio State. Everything else is weird. Northwestern, Purdue, and Indiana are all undefeated. Maryland, as we talked about earlier, are ten and one. Meanwhile, Michigan is one and two, and Penn two and State one. is zero and not ten and one. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You said ten and uh, one. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a long day, but Penn State is zero and three, so everything's kind of upside down and backwards in the Big Ten. What What do you think's going on? Do you think these records are a decent? representation and reflection of the quality and the talent or do you think this is just kind of an aberration and we should
2: expect things to maybe normalize a little bit i mean the three teams that you listed as undefeated northwestern purdue and india are all teams that we've been over the past few years pretty impressed by their coaching jeff brahm is a good coach at purdue um pat fitzgerald yes he might be unexciting yes he might put out like the least uh fan friendly brand of football out there but he gets them wins. Um, And Tom Allen, I believe, is the coach of Indiana. He's yep, right. for the last couple of years. He's been sort of building that program up so they can. I mean, pull off the upset so they can be the team that has been the most competitive bad team. Now they're just slowly breaking out of the shell of, well, maybe they're not bad. And truthfully, we say that they're undefeated, but. Their, their post-game win expectancy against uh, Penn State. Penn State, I think, was like 99% to win that opening game. It's, it's just crazy. a little bit like it broke bad for them. Uh, Maryland has a lot of talent. Um, the fact that they finally have a competent quarterback is really opening up their passing game. I, I, I think they were probably going to get snapped back to reality this week against Ohio State. But with that being said... I mean, they did beat up on a Penn State team that I still think is really good. I still think that team has talent. I question if the locker room is lost. If hmm. So one of the things that is kind of looming out there for a lot of these programs is, and potentially this is what's leading to some of the like, COVID crisis that's happening across, is when your team falls out of it, when all of a sudden you are not going to meet your goals, whenever you are not going to... Um, <clears throat> be playing have any chance for the playoff have any chance for your conference championship how motivated can you be to follow all the protocols how motivated can you be to not go out um on a saturday night how motivated can you be to just stick to your stick to your little apartment stick to your little dorm room and i think that maybe in the case of penn state it's just how motivated do you have to be to go out and i mean really try to pull off a win when you're just not really playing all that well, when right. you had a bad luck loss against Indiana, and then you just you couldn't hang with the a superior team in Ohio State, and now you have to go against this Maryland team that's just they're a little bit surprising. I think what happened against in that game is Maryland came out and really shocked them with Rakeem Jarrett. Jarrett broke off an early long touchdown, and kind of from that point forward, Penn State was just hobbling along and just... you could tell they weren't all the way in it. So disappointing for them. Uh, As for Michigan, it was a mirage. I I mean, we, we thought that the top team, we, we basically, if you go back to our show where we talked about the big 10 standings in the preseason, we were wrong a lot. Um, And the biggest one was we thought that Minnesota was going to be very good. We thought they have all this talent coming back. They're going to be really good. Their defense is trash. Their defense is absolute trash and Michigan exposed it in week one. And now, since then, their offense has really not been good. Joe Milton isn't the second coming of Cam Newton. He's the second coming of Shea Patterson. And (laughs) I don't know if it's that bad, but he's not. I mean, he's not not an elite quarterback. He's not going to suddenly take them to the next level. And their defense, I mean, I I think Michigan fans right now would – if you fired Don Brown tomorrow, they would be thrilled.
1: Yeah, no, it's weird. It's it's crazy. I think that's a good analysis as well. And and just thinking about Penn State in, in particular, not only do you have all those things going against them that you mentioned, but I also think about, um, you know, you had Parsons opting out, you had Journey Brown's injury, you have Kane's injury. There's a lot of not only talented players, but a lot of leadership that they've lost. And that does make a difference as well. So I think a lot of those intangibles that you pointed to definitely do play into it as well. Um, I know we we usually go through all the games later, but uh, before we before we do all of them together, I did want to take a little bit of time and just talk about Clemson, Notre Dame. I lost so much money on this game. I'll be honest. I've been drinking a little bit during it. And I uh, I kept doubling down. I was like, Clemson. Ooh, I'm getting, I'm getting an even better line. I'm getting an even better line. And I just kept playing it and kept
2: playing it and kept playing it. Hey, who was and, the voice uh, that reason for you there telling you not to bet these numbers live? Oh man, it was bad. <laughs> it was real bad. And I
1: wasn't even really watching it all that closely because Oregon was on at the time. And so I had Oregon on in the TV and I had um, Clemson, Notre Dame on the computer. So I was glancing at it, but I wasn't really locked in, but I just kept being like, Oh, live bet it, live bet it. <laughs> I, I ended up, uh, even though we had a good week this week, um, like I went five and two on my locks, but uh, I lost money this week because of this game.
2: Yeah, I was, I when I was, um, when I was trying to uh, tell you during that was, essentially, Notre Dame was dominating that first half. And it was, I mean, I don't come away from this game thinking any less of Clemson because truthfully, DJ Uangalele is going to be a future star when they get back the players on their defense, that defense should stabilize a little bit. And I think that uh, the threat of Trevor Lawrence maybe is hurting ETN. Honestly, if you're telling me right now, uh, ETN was a legit Heisman contender going into this weekend and his Heisman chances died on the field. So... Hmm. It's just I feel like it was a series of bad event the series of bad events for them, but luckily i I think we're gonna get to see that game again soon. I think that's what we're gonna get in the a c c championship game, yeah, and I'm excited for a rematch. it was a fun game
1: yeah i i mean i of course have went back and and watched uh the condensed game and you know it's hard it's hard to really enjoy it as much as when you were watching something live, like knowing what the outcome was. But I mean, that first play that first run by Kyron Williams really set the tone for Notre Dame's offense and an offense that you and I have talked so much about finding they, they found they've had, excuse me, they have found it difficult to create those explosive plays and right off the bat to get, what was it like a 75 yard run? Just boom. And I really was like, yeah, that, that set the tone early and, yeah, it just, it definitely wasn't uh, DJ's fault. It really seemed kind of like the uh, the game was kind of won on the on the lines. Like DJ only r- ran for two yards, you know, like he, he couldn't get going. As you mentioned, Etienne couldn't really get going. Um, they could pass all over the place. And, and usually, you know, passing yards is uh, a good indicator, especially when you're not just trailing the whole game. But uh, once it got to overtime, I have a still bet in Clemson. I still felt good about it. And man, it was disappointing. But mean, it's fun not, game to your point once
2: it, got, once it got down to uh overtime you're you're not in the wrong because you do think that Clemson is a little more used to the spot they're they're they can pull something like this off, but honestly, it just it didn't feel like it was their night. what do you think of Ian book after this game has 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 your mind been changed no. at all about him because no. I know
1: you've not never no. really been a believer no 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 no, no, no.
2: <laughs> he i mean from a Debbie perspective, absolutely not. he is not a good enough quarterback. Um, to be an NFL caliber player. He's just not. From a, can he be, hey, uh, I, I always use Trent Dilfer. Can he be a game manager that gets Notre Dame in a non-blowout scenario? Sure, but we've seen it. The issue I have is that we've seen this team struggle on offense for what? Every game except for this one and what was the other one? Last week against Georgia Tech and against, I mean, maybe it's really just the Louisville game. But truthfully, like they didn't score well against Duke. For as much as the score was a big number against Florida State, they didn't really play great in that game. And then thirty-one against, and it Georgia
1: was all Tech. it was all running. There was no big explosive yeah, pass plays in like, these games. I
2: just don't. I don't. I mean, we've seen this offense struggle, and the wins have come in spite of Book. He's he's not going to make mistakes, but I mean. Kelly Bryan didn't make mistakes for Clemson. And when the big moments came, when it mattered and when you needed a quarterback to win, Kelly Bryan couldn't get the job done. And I think that's kind of what you're going to get with an Ian Book who's just, he's fine. He'll win you a lot of games in the regular season. But you're really hoping that, I mean, you need big, you I mean, you need Kyron Williams to break off a 50 yard run. You need Chris Tyree to get a screen pass and take it for 40 yards. I don't think you're getting a lot of that every single week right right yeah i mean
1: they did have two like 50 yard type pass plays those were some of the longest ones they've seen all year and even some of that was 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 yak stuff Uh, but book was able to do a little bit on the ground too he he ran for 68 yards uh which was pretty pretty impressive but of course i yeah like to your point kyron williams kind of stole the day with his 140 yards and three touchdowns for for notre dame's offense uh but yeah Interesting stuff definitely shakes up the landscape a little bit. Um, you know, I don't love projecting playoffs this early, especially when like the Pac-12 has only played one game and um, it's, it's all craziness, but I mean, Notre Dame has definitely put themselves uh, back in the spotlight there. And and maybe that, that preseason prediction of mine uh, will come, will come to fruition, even though I poo-pooed it. Like after the first week, I was like, Oh, I was wrong. Notre Dame's definitely not doing it, but here they are. Um, I definitely am not going to say I told you so because I had already turned my back on them. But I mean, they're in, they're in line, they're in line for it. And you'd even think if they if they play Clemson close and lose, they might still get the nod
2: as a as a one loss I mean, team, depending on what else goes in. on. I think they are one hundred percent in if they make the ACC championship and are undefeated going into that game. They're a lock, um, largely because they already have the one win. So you're talking about they're just splitting a series. Um, I will say that. I wouldn't i I think it's a possible loss for them going to North Carolina. that's the one real loss one trip up spot I see on their schedule um but beyond that, I mean they get four more wins. they play Clemson in, in the a c c title game. I don't even think the result matters in that game as long as they don't lose that game, something silly if they lose that i mean if they lose that game fifty two nothing or something ridiculous then yeah, they'll they'll probably get left out, but truthfully, you're talking you're going to be talking about maybe a a 7 and 0 Oregon team versus an 11 in, or a, yeah, an 11 and 1 Notre Dame that has a win over Clemson. Clemson I don't even yeah. think no, you're you right. would take I don't think even think you would take uh Oregon over them. Yeah, and I also don't think that will be something we have to worry about cuz Oregon
1: finds a way to lose games that they shouldn't, but yeah, so I'd, I'd like to tell a personal story real quick. Uh, this week, we uh, we have someone leaving um, our office where I work, my uh, my day job, and I am one of the guys in charge of hiring, firing, and all that good stuff, so I need to find a replacement. And so guess where I went? I went to Indeed.com. That's because they're the number one job site in the world because they get you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives me full control and payment flexibility over my hiring. So I only had to pay for what I needed, and I can pause it. At any time, and I don't have to worry about any long-term contracts. Uh, so, so it's really awesome. I can do sponsored jobs as well, so I can uh, make sure that I find the exact type of candidate that I want, and I be I get a three and a half time more likely result in a hire. Seventy-three uh, percent of online job seekers are using Indeed.com every month, so you know you're going to be able to find good quality candidates there. Um, and then they're used by over three million businesses, so you know that they are going to provide what you need when you need it. And right now, Indeed is offering the listeners of this podcast a free $75 credit to boost the job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. So please try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer available anywhere, and you can get it right now at Indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply. This offer is valid through December 31st. But seriously, I do use this. I love it. It is really, really easy. It's super intuitive and you get the results you need quickly. All right, Matt, can we uh can we get you to to break down how we did last week? We had a really, really solid week.
2: Yeah, I mean we're we're good at this again. Um so I went seven and one on my locks. Um I had the Michigan State, Iowa uh, I had Iowa minus six and a half. Um, they handled them. They won by 41. I had Cincinnati minus 13. They handled uh, Houston. They beat them by 28. I had Maryland and Penn State under 63. That actually got a little bit uneasy, but. Game State at fifty four. I had Oklahoma, Kansas. If
1: you knew, if you knew Maryland was going to put up that many points, you, I would not have. <laughs> no taken way you would have Mine thought that. Mine was based would on the
2: fact that this was a Penn State defense that was supposed to be really good, but whatever, <laughs> it worked out in my favor. Their their offense quit on them. Um, Oklahoma and Kansas. Uh, I played the Oklahoma home over, which is always fun. I was terrified in this one because, well, they basically took out their starters early. Mordecai, but Tanner Mordecai get it done. Uh, I, my lock, my favorite bet of the week. I had another article where I called this my best bet of the week. ULM and Georgia State under 59 and a half. Total went to 86. Uh, that's, that's my lone <laughs> loss on the weekend. Uh, BYU minus three at Boise. Yeah, that Crushed. one was never in question. Arizona State, USC under 58. This game, it looks like this was a close win. They got to 55. It wasn't close. No. Um It was it, more it like 41. It was. It was... Two late touchdowns made this game close whatever doesn't matter uh Ohio State first half minus 23 and a half they were up by 32 at half great and then literally seconds after we canceled like re- finished recording the show Louisiana Tech North Texas got canceled I uh, had the over 69 in that game uh you you also had a great week you went five and two on the week um I'll run them through them because I'm on a roll Uh, You had Oregon minus eight and the under 52 Oregon, not only covered and the the game also went under or under 52 with 49. You had Miami at minus nine and a half. That was a a loss Uh, app state minus 17 and a half. Uh, That was covered. I struggled with math for a second. I thought you, you did too, Um, but they covered (laughs) by they covered by 20 or they had 21. Uh, You had Fresno state minus 11 against UNLV uh, they won that game by 13 Clemson minus five uh, against Notre Dame. We, we talked about this a little bit. You lost a lot of money on that game. Uh, BYU and Boise State over 59 and a half. That game totaled at 68 points. And that is a win uh, in our upset picks of the week. I had Pitt over Florida State uh, with it was I mean, it was paltry. It was plus 110, but whatever. It's a W uh, Liberty over Virginia Tech. Hugh Freeze keeps on doing this. That's a a win. And then we did have Nebraska plus 149. That was a loss, but hey. That was embarrassing, but but (laughs) I'll take that plus 460 with Liberty. Liberty is, I mean, I'm I'm genuinely disappointed they're playing West Carolina this weekend because they, I mean, they're going to be a staple. Anytime they're an underdog, play them because they're going to be an underdog because no one knows who Liberty is, but that team is playing legitimately well they are I mean, you could make a a conversation that they are just as good as b y u that they are just as good as u c, but they're just doing it in a different way, and maybe they're not as traditionally talented,
1: yeah, I would love to see some of those teams get an opportunity to play uh each other or and some better competition honestly it is interesting um. Yeah. Well, overall, we're, we're doing well. Um, we're both 27 and 20 on their, on the regular slate for the season. We both had another winning week. You went four and two, I went five and one and we'll go through those uh, right now. Uh, we'll start off with uh, the first game you've already talked about a little bit, but the first game we, we discussed was BYU Boise state. And then 51 to 17, we are both on this. Uh, someone you were watching was Khalil Shakir. He had a great, great game, 18 targets.
2: Yeah. He, I mean, that's what he is. He's a target guy. He gets a ton of volume. Um, so for me, that's not overly surprising. He's a guy that I have in my like college fantasy leagues, just cause he's a pretty safe bet to, um, produce every single week. So he's slowly creeping up my Debbie board only because I think that production is a pretty big indicator of future NFL success. He sure is productive, even in a loss. Yep. And
1: uh, yeah, he went 10 for 139 and two touchdowns. Meanwhile, I was watching uh, Heisman hopeful Zach Wilson. Another great game. 21 for 27 with 359 and two. And he added a rushing touchdown. No turnovers. Um, really solid game. I mean, BYU just rolled Boise State. Boise State was without their starting quarterback. So, I mean, that is, uh should be taken into account. But yeah, this game was uh, was over pretty quick. Let's move on to Michigan at Indiana. We were both on Indiana. I'll be honest; uh, I got a little bit a n- little bit nervous about this one uh, as we got closer to kickoff because a lot of people that I listened to and read uh, were all over Michigan, but they ended up losing twenty one thirty uh, eight. What do you think of this game? Did you did you watch much of this one?
2: No. Uh, I'm yes and no. I I was flipping. I back. thought maybe you
1: hate watched Michigan lose or something.
2: I it was my second channel. Um, to because. So I can't go with the multi TV because my wife already basically banishes me to one room, um, and says you can only be in here if you're going <laughs> to college football all day. So I I get the one room. But so I was flipping back and forth because this was this was the noon kickoff game. So I was flipping back and forth between this one and Arizona State, USC. And to be honest, I just really enjoy watching Keaton Slovis and Jaden Daniels more than I prefer hate watching. So um, yeah, I mean, I I know that what. We always talk about them. We really like cover three guys. All the cover three guys were in on Michigan. They thought this was just the easiest game of the week. It, I mean, I didn't see it. I think we're talking about an Indiana team. Now they're, they're 10th in the nation. I, I, I don't understand where, what they were saying. I think Indiana's legit. I think that both of the guys that we were watching this game, I was watching WAP failure. You were watching Michael Penix. They were both incredibly productive. I, I if failure had gotten in the end zone, on one of his 21 targets in this game, his game would have looked even like more ridiculous, but whatever. I, I just think their offense is going to be kind of difficult for teams to stop, and I, they're playing quality defense, at least against offenses that are struggling.
1: Yeah, I, I also didn't get uh, an opportunity to watch this one live. Uh, I was wondering, though, um, just looking at the receivers for Indiana, you had highlighted um, um, Wap Fillure. Uh, but their other guy with a crazy name, Ty Freifogel, he had a just ridiculous game. He, uh, he had seven receptions for, for one forty two. Do you think either of these guys, um, kind of project out to being anything? I mean, they're both seniors. Do you think either of them project out to be anything at the
2: next level? No, I mean, they, I, you can talk about if they, if they keep producing and they keep becoming like some, like if they're going to have to go be ridiculous at the combine. They're going to have to be consistent throughout this year. And that team's going to have to um, finish the year like strong. Yeah. Uh, uh, Even then they're day three guys at best and probably not even guys that you should roster in anything but the super deep league. Yeah. Uh, Not to like, I think they're both talented. I think they're both good. But when you're at this age, and you're at a program like Indiana where you're not going to get video game numbers, you kind of just right. have to you like you have to do something impressive. And while both of them are good, neither one is good enough to be NFL. The one player that I do want to at least somewhat spotlight a little bit from this game that I do like a little bit is Stevie Scott. Um, I don't think he is a future NFL superstar. I think he's a plotter. I don't think he's, but He is the type of guy that ends up on an NFL depth chart. He, uh, he went 24 for 97 with two touchdowns in this game. He is going to be the centerpiece of their offense for a lot of this, the rest of the year. Like I said, it's, he has a good NFL body type and he is productive enough that he will very, very likely end up on an NFL roster. And I think he's good enough to be a kind of a Bo Scarborough type where he's, You don't you're not going to get to use him every single week, but when you get that injury to someone, he's the guy that they can go fill in because you just know what he is. So name to just remember because in like three years, you're gonna pick him up on a wait for wire and be like, Who's this Stevie Scott guy? I've never even heard of him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's good. Uh, one of the big games of the weekend, we had a top ten. matchup in jacksonville we had florida 44 at georgia 28 one of the big surprising things uh for me wasn't necessarily the the final score although if you would have told me that florida was putting up 44 i would have um would have been a little bit surprised uh but georgia went up 14 nothing they they scored a touchdown on the first play of the game uh zeus went 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 for 75 yards i think on, on the first handoff mm-hmm. uh but then didn't really do anything else after that i think he only ended the the game with barely over 100 yards and you know when 75% of that comes on one run that kind of got shut down the rest of the game but yeah to me it's it's kind of what we talked about when we were looking at the Georgia Alabama game like their their defense is good but when you get these just really high powered offenses against them they're they're able to do enough to score against them and uh Bennett just doesn't seem like he's quite up for um being able to go blow for blow in a shootout
2: um you're being you're being very nice about Um, about Bennett. Um, Five for 16? You you mean I I should have talked about that? Five for 16 with 78 yards, one touchdown and a pick. They benched him to bring in Dwan Mathis who went four for 13, 34 yards, one touchdown and two picks. And here's the thing that we're not really saying enough. Florida's defense sucks. It's not okay. It's not mediocre. It sucks. Texas A&M lit this defense up. Every single running back that's gone up against this Florida defense has had their career numbers and everyone has been able to score against this. This Georgia offense is an absolute joke. And I mean, remember when we were sitting here talking about Karis Jackson at the beginning of the year? Yeah. Yeah. He sucks. He went, (laughs) he went three for 48 and a touchdown. Yeah. I actually, let me take that back. He almost had 50% of their yards with 48 yards. It's a dominator rating right there, baby like this is a <laughs> this offense is an absolute joke and what's funny is like I so there's rumors out there right now ooh rumors that he uh, about JT Daniels and why he isn't playing so um there's rumors out there that he has an insurance policy out on him and that he is um pretty much not going to play until he gets cleared by his insurance people because that is really what he's waiting on um it's so because otherwise there is no reason for JT Daniels to not be the quarterback on this team. So that is a big thing at least to follow is the fact that if JT Daniels isn't playing either, he's not healthy and we're talking about what probably 14 months post ACL at in 2020, you're recovered from an ACL in 14 months. Yeah. um, Particularly if you're not a mobile quarterback, um, So either he's not healthy and something else went wrong um, between injury and now where there's an, or he has an insurance policy on him and he is being incredibly cautious about coming back. And in either scenario, I don't think we're getting JT Daniels this year, which I know certainly looks like it considering the fact that, I mean, think about this Georgia team. They had Jamie Newman and JT Daniels, and we thought they were going to have a legit quarterback competition. They're starting Stetson Bennett and Dwan Mathis. And it's an intense quarterback competition <laughs> for who sucks and less. For which one of them is going to have to spend the night in a dumpster. Um, <laughs> I will say Roseme Jackson, uh, Roseme Jack Saint, that injury, that was brutal. It sucked to see. Um, went in on the end zone on a touchdown, but his ankle just gone um Kyle Pitts injury looked rough too he got concussed I guess it wasn't really an injury but man he got just blasted concussions an injury um all we can come away from this game saying is I thought that Georgia's defense was going to be good enough to stop this Florida team and that they were going to sit there and control the game they went up 14 nothing and boy did it look like that game was going to be uh oh man Georgia just goes out there and just makes a team look bad um no this was Alabama 2.0, and all that happened was is Florida just went out there and did whatever they wanted. Um, yeah, Florida's uh, – I know that you're going to mention a running back later from Florida, but I think their running backs suck. Um, I'm really harsh today. I don't care. You are. It's all right. Go but, for it. I mean, Trask is – I think he's my QB4.
1: Hmm. Wait, 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 wait. Can you expound? QB4 in what sense? QB4 this, to be drafted to be or QB4 Debbie
2: or draft. what What are you talking in this, about? In this 2021 draft, I think he is now my QB4. So you have Fields, Lawrence, Lance, Trask? No. I, have Mac. I have Mac Jones ahead of him. I have Mac okay. Jones at three and I have uh, Trask at four and then I have Trey Lance at five. And the only reason why Lance is at five is number one, he has one season of production and nothing this year and he's coming from a small pedigree sc- or a small school i i think he's going to fall in the draft just because a team doesn't want to take a chance on him
1: yeah um and and the the top the top half of the uh the NFL draft looks like it's going to be just stacked with some really solid players um between like some linebackers and uh linemen and of course uh, all these rec- all these receivers that we are <laughs> talking about. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on to a game we've referenced quite a few times already. Arizona State twenty seven at USC twenty eight. As you mentioned, uh, USC scores a touchdown late, gets an onside kick, uh, scores again, and then Arizona State gets the ball back with a little over a minute. Um, and uh, I-, I-, I thought Daniels was going to be able to get them in field goal range and-, and pull out the win. I was really hoping for it. Uh, did not happen.
2: Good for you, I guess, since you had the, uh, the under, but yeah, he, I mean, he made a decent effort. He had one pass that he threw on the sideline. That was, it was pretty, it was, they initially ruled it a catch and it got overturned and kind of from that point forward, it was, um, desperation attempts to get down the field quickly. Um, can't really blame him. He, he did a lot. Like I said, they should have won this game. It took two Really lucky plays for USC to pull this one off, and I I, I don't think you well come three away.
1: I would say three. They had that fourth down where they got yeah. the uh they got Arizona State to jump off sides
2: and and make it much shorter of a fourth yeah. down. I they mean, had the onside a, kick. It's definitely a if you're an Arizona State fan, you should still come away from this game optimistic. We were both on the right side in this game taking Arizona State. I yeah and. So we we've already talked about the quarterbacks. I, I don't think we need to get into them more. This I think the standout storyline from this game is the USC receivers. Um start we'll start with the one that everyone knows. Amon Ra St. Brown, 13 targets, had seven receptions and a hundred yards, no touchdowns. I mean, kind of status quo for me. I think maybe I'm hope I was hoping that he would be the dominant receiver in the bunch. Thirteen targets is a pretty good sign for me. Um mm-hmm. uh, even though he got a little bit upstaged in this game, I do think that there's still the chance. I think if he'd converted say two more of those targets into receptions, we're talking about 130 to somewhere between 130 and 150 yards. I think we look at this game a little bit differently. If that's his stand or if that's his stat line. Um, The other receiver in this game that was a big highlight um, was Drake London. He had gotten a lot of positive reviews coming out of camp. He was a guy that I kind of mentioned in my preseason highlight of the team as a player who would benefit from the injury to Kyle Ford and the exit of Michael Pittman. And he had nine targets, um, went eight for 125 and a touchdown. And he was the one that scored the game-winning touchdown at the end. Great catch. He's, I mean, he looks really talented. You can see why the coaching staff really likes him. And I think that, I mean, and then, even in there, we we don't mention the fact that Brew McCoy made this concentration catch in the end zone on just a ball that got tipped up into the air, and he probably had half a second to think about that, um, mm-hmm. which is a really nice catch. And then Tyler Vaughn's has been there since 1982, you know, <laughs> receiver also. So, I mean, I think USC has the best wide receiver room in the country, which... They wouldn't if Alabama was healthy and they wouldn't if Ohio State's receivers were sophomores instead of freshmen, but whatever they are. Um, either way, I think USC fans should be happy about their future. But then for Arizona State fans, the one thing I'll say is you have a real one in De- uh, Diamante, train him. He's, in, uh, he's an Ohio boy. Um, I'm actually really sad we didn't get him at Ohio State. We were really in on him early and he um, he chose Arizona State over us. He went 12 for 84 with two touchdowns. His second touchdown run was actually kind of absurd. He's he's really talented. I would say we've talked a lot about Jameer Gibbs. We've talked a lot about Tank Bigsby. I think this is a guy that is going to get a little bit overlooked because he plays out West. And I hope, I mean, I, I I thought breakfast ball was a bad idea, but if it gets more opportunities for that guy to get more national exposure, I'll I'll take it because he's really, really good.
1: Yeah, you know Benjamin 2.0 baby no good I'm, just, I'm good I'm just teeth him um yeah no I don't have much to add there I uh, I thought the this was a super fun game really enjoyable just from a almost neutral perspective i I definitely had uh, some rooting interest for Arizona state but still super fun and uh yeah the, the last game before we jump into uh, next week uh was Stanford at Oregon uh Oregon minus eight was where we uh where, where we landed on this one it started at 10 of course we are both on Oregon and they looked really really good we've mentioned some of the players already uh you were watching Tyler Shuck and uh, we talked about him at the top uh looked really good running the ball Micah Pittman for me um was a little bit disappointing just because I didn't throw it too much I only had two targets uh he hauled in one of them for just a beautiful one-handed uh, reception he's he's a downfield guy he's a he's a huge target and a good receiver but I'm curious how they'll be using him when the running game isn't just as easy as it was you mentioned Verdell Dell at the top of the show as well. He went 20 for one Oh five and one uh, this, this game was really a tale of kind of uh poor red zone play by both teams. Stanford missed a bunch of field goals. Oregon missed a few of their own. Uh, I did get a little bit lucky on the under in this one uh, just because there were a lot of points left on the board. But I, I've been listening to, you know, uh, some of the different podcasts. I listen listen to a lot of college football podcasts and everyone walking away from this game is just poo-pooing on Oregon. And I don't really understand why I was really impressed by their defense, even though uh, they gave up quite a few uh, big plays, they gave up some big chunk plays, but but that was about it. It was like five big plays that they gave up. But other than that, they, they really played solid. I'm excited about these young linebackers that we brought in. I think our defense is going to be stout. I think Oregon is going to lose a game um, because that's, you know, it's, it's hard to go undefeated even in a shorter season, but they, uh, they look like the best Pac 12 team to me.
2: Did baby Sewell play?
1: Oh, he looked so good. He looked so good. He, uh, he was so disruptive in the backfield. There was just one play where he just broke through the line and and met the, uh, the running back in the backfield and just smothered him. It just was, it looked unfair. And the fact that he's so
2: young is just ridiculous. Oh man. Apparently some people are hoping they see him on offense. Um, with all the injuries at tight end so you might get to see a lot cuz he play I think he played tight end in high school
1: uh he's 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 quick enough <laughs> and uh, the tight end we had out there uh Johnson I think uh, he he had a couple of drops he did have a touchdown but uh, definitely had a couple of drops well uh let's let's get into next week before we do let's uh hear a quick word from our colleagues over at RotoViz.
0: What's up listeners this is Curtis Patrick I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020 RV Radio at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020 RV Radio at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing, if you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple podcasts. It's a really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now back to the show.
1: All right, we are back. We are not going to be previewing as many games because most of the games that we had on here <laughs> have been canceled.
2: Yeah, getting canceled. Uh, this week.
1: Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, but that's, that's probably good. Give us a little bit of time to, uh, you know, talk about our locks and our picks, um, upcoming. And we're already, you know, 50 minutes into the show. So, uh, let's start off with Penn state at Nebraska. Did you put this one in while I was sleeping or has this one been in there for a while? I don't remember. Uh, Nebraska, <laughs> but, but, to be honest. Nebraska getting
2: three, where are you laying on this one? Um, it's a hard one for me because truthfully, I, if you were to tell me at pretty much any point that I was going to only have to lay three points here with a Penn State team that I think is just way better, I would do it. But as I mentioned before, I don't know that this team hasn't quit on the year. So this is a weird spot because I think if in a vacuum, this one is not close for me. Every single stat points me to this Penn State team being better. They should be able to pretty comfortably control the game how they want to and their defense actually surprisingly isn't that bad they're still ranked in the top 25 of defensive S&P plus despite two back to or really three performances in a row where they haven't been spectacular um but I'm gonna take Penn State minus three I think that there's a little bit of pride left and I honestly I think if you're if you're Penn State you're kind of sick of hearing about how oh man what a disappointing year how bad you guys have been it's so bad and blah 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 I think you, that that type of stuff gets in there and you just get a little bit of pride. Um, with that being said, uh, I am going to be keeping an eye out for Kayvon Lee. I don't understand why they keep trying to roll with the guys that they have. And Kayvon Lee is right now their best back that they have. Um, he, he genuinely looks special to me and I hope they use him at running back. Yeah, I don't have much more to add. I, I kind
1: of feel exactly the same way uh nebraska i was kind of hopeful for them going into last week because they looked like they could play with not play with ohio state but like they didn't embarrass themselves you know what i mean um but like it was interesting and i thought you know they're playing against one of the best teams in the country if not the best team in the country what are they going to look like against these others and then last week they just didn't look good um so i'm with you on penn state here uh three points i feel like is 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 not too much um, I'm going to watching Luke McCaffrey. They've been using him a little bit of quarterback, a little bit of running back. He's still to uh, yet to score a touchdown, however, this year. Uh, but, but I'm curious to see how they use him in the offense. Uh, let's move on to Wisconsin at Michigan. Uh, this line has moved a little bit here. Um, maybe because say... Graham Mertz is probably likely going to suit up for this one, but uh, yeah. right now it's Wisconsin minus four and a half.
2: Yeah. Sorry. I keep talking over you, but that's what I do here. Um, I would say that's probably growing optimism that Graham Mertz is going to play there. There were a a couple of comments that came out in their press conferences about his likelihood of playing. He is through the required 21 days. Um, He has been starting to return to the team. The one thing that everyone gets confused is they think that it's a 21 day quarantine, but what uh, the big 10 actually set up was that they, in addition to the standard 14 days of keeping them out of action, what they ask for in addition to that is a seven day, get your body right type of deal. Because if you have COVID and if you are symptomatic, it does take a lot out of you. And realistically just missing two straight weeks, you, you kind of aren't physically prepared to still be in football shape. So they want to keep you healthy when you return to the field. So um, it, it does sound like things are trending in a positive way. And truthfully, the the other option they have is their fourth string quarterback. So they're going to have to figure out if Graham Mertz is healthy enough and is ready to play. Um, I think he's going to be the one out there. So they looked really good. I hope they're not a mirage. And because of that, I'm I'm just going to go with them because I think this Michigan team is, is really flawed. And this game strikes me more along the lines of the Michigan. I think it'll look more like the Michigan State kind of game um with a result that's a little more one-sided
1: yeah I I agree with you um I didn't really know what to do as far as which player to pick to watch um Wisconsin you know having having some cancellations and stuff like that but uh Nikia Watson uh got the most carries in week one uh with 19 um with Mertz being either sidelined with COVID still or even if he does play uh having been uh you know, not out there for a while, maybe they lean on the run a little bit more. So curious to see what they do
2: in that backfield. He uh, Watson's a, a sophomore and be interesting to see what he does. One other name to just keep an eye on for Wisconsin is they did sign a top 100 player by the name of Jalen Berger this off season. He's a little bit undersized, but he's kind of in the same as the, the Chris Tyree type that he's, he's very explosive. Um, he was recruited by really all of the big guns out there. And I think he is an interesting player to just kind of keep an eye on because if they do try to run a little bit more than they did in that week one performance, we might see them mix it up with a little bit of kind of like speed and power types.
1: I like it. Arkansas, who is and 6-0 against the spread at Florida, minus 17. You going to lay the points with Florida or does uh,
2: Arkansas go uh, go 7-0? think it's Florida um I I actually wouldn't hate the spot as a letdown spot I think Arkansas is really good um but I just think this Florida team they're they're an avalanche you think that oh I, I got through the first wave I got through the second wave but it just keeps coming with them and when they score points they I think they can score points on anyone I for as bad as Georgia looked last week Georgia's defense is still probably one of the top five defenses in the country and Florida put up 40 on him. Do you think Arkansas is going to put up 20? And do you think they're going to get to 30? Cause I think that might be what you need to cover this line. And I'm just, I would be a little bit concerned. The one player I do want to watch from this Arkansas team is Traylon Burks. I think he's pretty talented. Um, he is a true sophomore. He's got, I think 400 something yards. He's almost at 500. Um, and he has five touchdowns. Good player. um, just a name to keep an eye on. I don't think he's a guy that should be flying up your every boards, but he's a guy that you should be kind of excited about for uh, next year.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you with Florida. My one concern is just um, if Pitts isn't playing, just what the passing game looks like. Of course, Trask uh, looked good without him when he needed to, but I do get nervous because he's just such an incredible um, hey, difference maker. Exciting. What's that? There's a Justin
2: short shorter sighting last yeah. week. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, uh, the player I'm watching is running back Damian Pierce. I know you're not a huge fan. I'm just curious to see what he looks like. Someone's got to do something for them um, running the football against Arkansas. I don't think they can be turned into a one-dimensional team, and uh, and I think he'll he'll get some opportunities. Uh, but I think Florida pulls away. I think Arkansas finally gets their their first um, L against the spread. Uh, last game on the docket, we got Oregon. Heading to Washington State, Washington State plus ten. I'll let you talk about this one first.
2: I will not watch this game because I think it's on past my bedtime. Um, I think it's at five o'clock, Matt. Past my bedtime. No, it, it's <laughs> five o'clock local. It's seven o'clock here. Um, I'll watch some of this game. I think this will be a fun one. Um, I actually the
1: UW game is the the nighttime okay. game.
2: I won't stay up for that game. I'll watch it later. I'll DVR it. I probably won't DVR it. Um, So I'm going to take Oregon. I just think they're a lot more talented team. I'm still, I actually still like this Washington team. Um, I think they're going to this Washington State team. I think in like two years, they're going to be really exciting. Um, But the problem is, as we always talked, or as I've talked about with um, Mississippi State this year, Mike Leach didn't recruit for shit. And um, he didn't exactly leave them with a ton of talent. Uh, And until they kind of rebuild and refill what they need to do and kind of develop an identity that isn't let's be the air raid offense, they're going to struggle a little bit. And yeah, I just think Oregon's defense is good enough to stop whatever variation of the air raid they run. And I, I, I actually think this is a pretty decent spot for them to run away. Uh, the player I'm watching, he didn't play last week because of a back injury. I really hope he plays this week Is Max Borky. I still have high hopes for him. I really see him as a guy that could go beat Naheem Hines and actually be more than just a change of pace, like almost a true like second piece of a committee that is really, really good with his hands. Um, honestly, I think his upside is still Kareem Hunt. I think he's that talented and he, he, he's not small. It's not like he's a guy who's 175 pounds. I'm pretty sure he's 200 pounds and kind of built. So I think he has some upside still. So I'd like to see him actually get utilized in this game. I think if he's available, he's a little bit of a difference maker. If you're playing a late DFS slot and he is healthy, I, I don't think he's a bad guy to plug in because they just like, they like getting the ball in his hands when they can. Yeah, I didn't realize he was from Arvada, Colorado.
1: That is right down the road for me. Yeah, he's a 5'10", 198, and he has a history of success against Oregon. He has really, really been good uh, against the Ducks. Uh, you want to hear something crazy? Uh, Oregon is 0-10 against the spread versus Washington State.
2: You're taking Washington
1: in fact, State. In fact, Oregon are 1-4 straight up in the last five games against Washington State. However, not all trends last, and the Ducks will prevail. This Oregon Ducks team uh, will not overlook Washington State. They're going to be ready to go. It's supposed to be snowing um, in Pullman, so you know it could be kind of a sloppy game. Uh, but I think that, that Oregon is able to take care of business. I'm watching CJ Verdell. I think the, the game is going to kind of depend on his success. I think Travis Dye, uh, who also looked really, really good last week, Uh, kind of that one-two punch for the running backs for Oregon are going to be able to take care of business against this Washington state team that, although they, they looked pretty good last week. uh, They did give up a lot of points uh, to Oregon state, Oregon state's not great. I know uh, Washington state has a lot of people that, that missed. They had like 30 plus people out last week. Not exactly sure what that will mean for this week, but give me Oregon uh, minus 10. Yes, I'm a homer, but usually I pick against my teams because I am, um, a pessimist, but I, but I'm feeling Oregon this week. I think they, they, they break that 10 game losing streak against the spread and uh, make it a nice 10 and 10 and one.
2: I will say if, if Borgie doesn't play the guy I'm going to watch is Jaden DeLora. Um, He's a, I think he's out of Hawaii. He's, I mean, he's a good quarterback. He was a three star. He's a true freshman was getting actually heavily recruited by Ohio state when the CJ Stroud uh, decision was kind of up in the air. And from, the intel that I have is that they were willing to accept his commitment even before they had gotten news about Stroud. So even if it meant losing CJ Stroud, who eventually turned into a five-star prospect, they were willing to take this commitment. So we I've talked about in the past, I think that Ryan Day is one of the best QB eyes out there. And, um, he was really into this player. So maybe I'm a little bit wrong. They do have one guy out there that I think is really talented. And so keep an eye on Delora Um, because we mentioned this game and because you tried to poo poo Oregon state. uh, I have to mention my guy on Oregon state really, really fast. Uh, Jermar Jefferson. Uh, He's, he's not exciting. He's another kind of grinder 21 for one hundred and three touchdowns. That's, To Oregon State moving so but yeah but you're right uh that giving up 28 points to Oregon State is a sign that they're going to give up more than 28 points to Oregon
1: yeah so we'll, we'll see what happens um I get nervous every time we play Washington State for that very reason especially on the road but um yeah I'll just take Oregon because I, I think they're more than I think they're two touchdowns better Uh, But you guys, uh, we've been talking about Bet Online all season, and that's because they are the best. They're going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and even coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off Wagering on wins, division championship futures, all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. Again, that's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online is your online sportsbook expert. Matthew, I have a question. What is the uh, most? Of them? I'm just looking at my slate here, and I have a lot of picks and it's because the pack 12 is back so i have a very heavy slate of games that i'm picking from and i apologize there's like eight games going on this weekend and you have that many <laughs> i've come up to nine. Oh and there's one of yours that i want to add that i want to add on my card too so i'm gonna have 10 this week so uh so yeah i'll go first here i'm gonna start uh with that game we just talked about i'm taking oregon minus 10 as my lock i've already kind of told you why i'm going with this um i feel really good about uh, the state of the offense and the defense looked really good. My only concern is just that weird things happen at Pullman for Oregon and especially in the snow. But I think, you know, if they, if they play this game 10 times, nine out of 10 of them, Oregon's winning by two touchdowns.
2: That's cute. <laughs> no, and, I, yeah. I like that spot. I, I told you, I think this is a game where they run away and hide. I, if it wasn't on your, wasn't on your list, I'd actually be considering it. Um, And, and
1: Washington state, like as well as they've done against, um, Oregon, like they're 4-9 in their last 13 against the spread. So it's not like they're uh, they're doing this all the time.
2: So I'm going to say one that we have as a shared because I just want to get it in now while I'm shopping um, for this pick. You can still get at one location at the time of this recording, Wisconsin minus three and a half over Michigan. Um, there is still a place where you can make that bet happen. And because of that, I'm taking Wisconsin minus three and a half. Uh, I believe Graham Mertz is going to be back. I believe their offense is incredibly strong and that their defense is incredibly strong as it stands right now. Wisconsin has a 52.7 offensive success rate. Yay. And their defense, they are the number one defense uh, according to success rate where they've only allowed a 28% success rate. I understand that was against Illinois, but you want to know why? I don't know that Illinois is that much worse than uh, Michigan. They are, but I don't think that this is a game where Michigan is going to hang around for very long. If the Wisconsin offense that is anywhere what it was and close to what it was in that week one game. I like Wisconsin to win this game. I would take it, honestly, I would take this game up to 10.
1: Whoa, that that was a bigger number than I thought you were going to say. I don't disagree. Uh, as you said, I'm on that one as well. Wisconsin minus three and a half is also on mine. Uh, let's stay in the big 10. I've got Iowa minus three and a half at Minnesota. Minnesota's defense is, as you mentioned earlier, awful. They're 100th in scoring. They're 120th in rushing yards um, per game, averaging, um, the opponents are averaging 240 rushing yards per game. Meanwhile, Iowa's been averaging 166 rushing yards per game. That's going to increase this week. 54% of the bets are coming in on Minnesota, which I don't really understand. I think that's kind of keeping the number uh, where I like it. So this minus three and a half feels like a, a nice value for me. I feel like Iowa... Um, you know, according to S and P plus it's more like four, four and a half points. So, you know, I'm getting a little bit of value there. Iowa minus three and a half. I don't think Minnesota's defense is going to cause any sort of slowdown for Iowa. And, uh, Minnesota has not been, not been great overall. So, uh, I don't know if Tanner Morgan is, is taking a step back or if he's just feeling too much pressure from having to feel like he has a score on every uh, possession. But, uh, we saw Maryland just destroy this team. Um, I expect Iowa does the same. Minus three and a half is a good number for me.
2: I like that spot. Um, So I I talk about it a lot. It's uh, a couple of my my favorite thing to uh, look for when I'm looking at totals, and that's wind. Um, Because any wind or steady winds over 10 miles per hour with uh, gusts that are substantially higher than that, that makes passing very difficult. And one thing that I like to see are steady wins at 18 miles per hour. And that is what mm. you are seeing with Northwestern and Purdue. And the line right now is at 50 and a half. I get it. Northwestern scored 43 points in week one. They have scored an average of 22 points a game since then. That is not what they are. Uh, Purdue, they've been a decent team, but they're another team. They're going to score in the 20s. This is going to be back to traditional Big Ten football where teams struggle to score and they run the ball a lot. Uh, Northwestern has run the ball on 66% of their plays this uh, on offense this year. That's great, which is why they are 3-0 and on unders. Uh, Purdue is 2-0 and on unders. And both of these teams have a defense that is better than 40% success rate allowed. So that is very, very good news when you are looking for a game to stay low scoring. Take the under at 50.5. We are not a big 10 podcast, but we sure feel like it
1: right now. I'm sticking in. I'm about? sticking I'm in big there. <laughs> I
2: know
1: Indiana minus seven at Michigan state under Tom Allen, Indiana is 13, six and one against the spread coming off of a win. They are three and oh against the spread on the year and Michigan state is one and two. Their only victory against the spread was against Michigan, which uh, we've talked about Michigan quite a bit here. Um, In the last five home games, Michigan State is 0-5 against the spread. I think this is a good spot for Indiana. They look really good to me. They look like a a, a well-balanced team. Michigan State has all kinds of problems. Uh, I'm not buying into Rocky Lombardi. Indiana, minus seven.
2: Lock it up. I'm going to go to one of my favorite teams, and this is Friday night action. Uh, So this is a weird spot. I actually, I'm kind of uneasy about this spot. Um, But UC has been a friend of mine. Um, I'm local to them, so I like rooting for them. Uh, s p Plus has this line at 32. Uh, I can get UC at minus 27 and a half against ECU. UC is four and two against the spread this year, and they have pretty much manhandled three consecutive offenses that are good. And ECU's offense, while in the past it has been decent, is not at the same caliber as SMU, Memphis, or Houston. So I'm going to take UC. I'm going to lay almost four touchdowns. Um, yeah i'm gonna be sweating but i'm gonna be sweating on the winning side
1: yeah <laughs> cincinnati's so good i don't know you this <clears throat> might be this might be yeah, but uh, they don't really even score, beyond like... our... but they have been recently like they've been they've been so dominant i think I, I love this pick i love this play i think it's i think it's great um i'm gonna finally leave the big 10 and uh and, and travel south i want florida minus 17 Against Arkansas, we talked about this game earlier. I think Arkansas is is a fun story. I think they're good. I think the magic ends, at least for this week. Uh, Florida looks just too powerful on offense. I am a little bit nervous about their defense. However, after their bye week, uh, they have been playing a lot better, uh, giving up um, just an average of about 22 or so points per game uh, since their bye week. So maybe they figured some stuff out there. I don't think, yeah, maybe it's a revenge game for Felipe Franks, but um, I don't think that's anything to be uh, too too worried about. Uh, Florida minus 17 is a is a good spot for me right here. I did promise I would never pick Florida again, but here I go.
2: I'm a liar and a thief. I'm adding one more game to mine, my slate, so you don't feel so bad. Good. Um, but it won't be the game I talk about this second because I still have to come up with a good argument. But uh, so you left the Big Ten. I never leave the Big Ten, but I'm going to eventually. You want to know what else I really like in the Big Ten? More wind. So yes. uh, Penn State, Nebraska. I've talked about it. I think Penn State may have given up on the year. Um, They've been generally ineffective on offense. They've been averaging per game, losing the turnover battle by 1.67 turnovers per game. Uh, Nebraska, you know what they like to do? They like to run the ball. You know what running the ball means? Clock is moving. Um, Like I said, they're going to struggle to pass the ball with any real effectiveness, largely because they're bad at passing and also because, well, there's a lot of wind. 15 mile per hour crosswinds in this game. Give me under 55 and a half in this game. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds right, especially like
1: Penn State just really couldn't score last week. So, yeah, um, I like it. Before I uh, dive back into the uh, Pac-12, which is where I'm going to live a lot this year, as you guys know, that's where I spend a lot of my time uh, paying attention. So I often will have a heavy Pac-12 card. But before we go there, we're going to go to a team that maybe should be in the Pac-12. Fresno State, minus 10 at Utah State. Utah State is 1-5 against the spread in the last six games. Meanwhile, Fresno State are 4-2. and two. In their last six against Utah State. Fresno State uh, was good to me last week. Uh, they got me uh, the cover. Uh, they, they did it late, but they, they ended up uh, pulling that one out for me. I don't think Utah State's all that good. I think Fresno State's pretty good. Uh, I think this line should be more like 14 points. Uh, so, so give me those uh, those 10. I keep being surprised, waiting for this line to jump, and it hasn't. Uh, so maybe, uh, well, I've already bet this one at minus 10 because I was afraid of it going the, the wrong direction. Um, so I like this one. Uh Fresno State. Um, I'm just trying to see what S&P Plus has this oh, SP Plus doesn't agree with me on this one. Uh so okay. so so never mind that. <laughs> but 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 I I again like Fresno State.
2: I like it. Um <laughs> so we talked about earlier how USC was actually really lucky to get 28 points and pull off a win against Arizona State. I do think they're gonna do a little bit better against this Arizona team, and but I also think Arizona's Coming into this game, first game of the year, I think they're going to have some struggles. They do have, um, I mean, they're just not as good as Arizona State. Um, USC struggled to score despite having actually pretty solid field position. They averaged starting at their own thirty-three feet or their own thirty-three yard line compared to they were going up against a team that was averaging their twenty-eight. They did cause quite a bit of havoc in the game um, on defense. They uh, had havoc on twenty-eight point eight percent of plays. Uh, Arizona last season, they had an offensive success rate of 43.1%, and in passing, they were at 39.5%. All of those things come together with me to say that I think that there's going to be a little bit of struggles early for Arizona on offense, and while I do think USC's receiver room is insane, I question a little bit if they have put it all together um, and figured things out in a week after a big struggle. So, numbers at 68 that number feels really high to me i do think you might see usc get into the high 30s but i don't think arizona state or arizona is going to be anywhere close to that
1: yeah i just wanted to add one more thing because i uh i missed my notes on fresno state utah state utah state has uh scored nine seven and 13 points um in their game so far uh while giving up uh 34 or more in each one so they're just not all that good i think fresno state Um, is is head and shoulders above but i do also like your play um let me join you in the uh in the pac 12 and this is where i'm gonna just live for the rest of the podcast uh the first one i want to go to is oregon state who who you already mentioned at washington washington we didn't get a chance to see them last week and i think that's part of the reason this number's at 13 uh that game was canceled washington's really good they have a really strong defense Jimmy Lake uh, taking over as the head coach was a defensive coordinator. I don't think Oregon state's going to be able to move the ball very well against this defense. I don't, I don't think they're going to have much success scoring. Uh, I think Washington might take a little bit of time to get, to get moving. I think this game is going to look eerily similar to that Stanford, Oregon game from last week where um, Washington is um, in, in the lead for most of it and just slowly uh, builds upon their lead. And Oregon State just can't do enough to to uh to stick around. So give me Washington minus 13. Um, I just don't think Oregon State's gonna be able to to score on this defense.
2: I like it. Um, I'm torn on one on this next pick, but whatever. I'm gonna go with SP Plus. This is an S P plus play. Um, Boston College and Notre Dame over 49 and a half. S P plus has this game at 56. Uh Really, uh, this is a lot of an overreaction to uh, how many points Notre Dame scored last week against Clemson. They scored 47, and if you go back and look into it before this game, Clemson's defense was still among the best in the country. I understand they were missing players, but this is a really good Clemson defense that this Notre Dame offense put up 47 on. I get that there was a double overtime, but either way, they scored 33 in regulation, I think, in this game here uh boston college is going to find enough success to keep it close i actually came close to taking boston college plus 13 and a half but yeah I, I think i just prefer taking some points here and going on the over
1: yeah i i'm actually curious what do you what do you think about this game in general i know the line this is not for your locks just in general i think the line is uh is 13 right now who, who would you take i would i would take boston
2: college Yeah. Um, I
1: kind of feel like it might be a letdown spot too.
2: It's, it's a, I mean, you can get it as high as 14 and at 14, I actually probably fuck it. Um, Boston college plus 14. Um, (laughs) I didn't tell you you had to, I love it. No. And I, I, part of this is, I think Boston college scores a lot of points. I actually think that when they, their quarterback play is, is actually, I, I will still stand by this. Villager is better than Ian book. Um, and he is a more legitimate threat to push the ball downfield to Zay Flowers. I think you're going to see Boston College get this game into the mid 20s. Um, and I just, I even though I think Notre Dame is a good team, I don't see them pushing this game up in, into the 40s again. Uh, I, I just think that you're going to be able to keep this game close enough and have it go over. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, I didn't expect you to lock it up, but I love it. And I'm on the same side. I kind of feel like Boston college, uh, we'll keep it close. Notre Dame will win. Um, they'll break our hearts cause I'll be hoping they lose and, uh, they'll, they'll squeak out a win. But yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, my next one is Cal at Arizona state. Cal is uh one and four against the spread in their last five games against Arizona state they are actually, um, they've actually lost their last, uh, three in a row. So, um, I a spread that is, um, so, so I, I kind of like those trends, I think Arizona State is going to want to uh, bounce back pretty strong here. I think you'll see a little bit more of an aggressive offense. I'm a little nervous not knowing if Darby's playing. If I'm honest, as we mentioned earlier, he did leave the game with a rib injury. Uh, if he's out, I I'm not going to uh, put my money on this one. <laughs> if I'm being frank, I'm going to wait till kickoff to see if he's playing. Um, not that he makes that full three and a half point swing, uh, but I think this could be pretty close anyway. And uh, I just think we saw that. Uh, that Daniels needs all the weapons he can get. But I think Daniels wins this one with his legs. Uh, he's so dynamic running the ball. And I think Cal's defense, while good, is gonna really struggle to keep him in check. Uh Cal's game last week of course got um canceled. So, okay. you know, they have a little bit of tape on Arizona State. But um, I, I think you know there's uh there's a lot that's up in the air. So give me Arizona State minus three and a half.
2: I will say that Cal's defense last year was a little bit better against the pass than it was against the run. They allowed a forty-one percent success rate against the run, which is was really middle of the pack in twenty nineteen. Against the pass, they were all the way uh, they were below forty percent. They were at thirty nine point seven. So uh, while I do think that Daniels will struggle to pass the ball without um, without Darby in the game, I think that between LV, Bunkley, Shelton, and uh, Johnny Wilson and all the other young receivers they have, they'll be able to do just enough where they can open up holes for Daniels. Daniels himself to run and yeah. for DeMonte train him. Yeah. So I, I like, I like it. Spot. Yeah. Cool. um Cool. So the game I added um, a minute ago, it's gross and I love every bit of it, but the line <laughs> is too freaking high. Um, Army and Tulane under 48. You know why? Because both these teams have an offensive success rate under 45%. Both of these teams run under 70 plays per game. Both of these teams rush the ball on over 60% of their place, and both of these defenses allow a uh, success rate under 40%. You know what all that means? It means not a lot of points are going to be scored in this game. And the fact that Tulane runs their own version of an option spread means that Army, despite the fact that they tend to just confuse the crap out of everyone, um, they're not going to confuse the crap out of a Willie Fritz offense or a Willie Fritz, well, probably not the offense, but definitely not the defense either. And I, I just think this game's gonna be low scoring. I think that Tulane will find their success spots. But um yeah, I mean I, I I really like this spot for the game to stay low.
1: Yeah, I have no feel for that. I trust you, of course, because you you right. know all things unders. But uh man, I get so nervous with if it's a number that's uh less than 50. I get <laughs> I get so nervous playing it. But I mean I think you you make really good points and I'll, I'll definitely I'll definitely put a, put a couple bucks on that one just to uh, to ride or die with you. That sounds like fun. Uh, my last one is is probably the line that when I saw it confused me the most. That's Utah minus three at UCLA. Now I know Utah is losing a ton of players on both offense and defense. A New quarterback, new running back. They've got uh, a lot of new players um, in the secondary, but UCLA just lost to Colorado that is also a completely new team, a Colorado team that was starting a safety from last year at quarterback. Utah minus three with the the way uh, Winningham coaches, uh, the talent that they do have uh, from recruiting that may be, may be a little bit raw, but I think uh, Utah not being able to play last week uh, is, is what's keeping this number where it's at. Uh, minus three just seems crazy. Maybe this is one of those games where uh, everyone was smarter than me, and, uh, there's just something about this that I wasn't expecting, but Utah are eight and one against the spread in their last nine games, um, in the pack 12. And, and, that only that, that loss coming uh, last year against Oregon, uh, they've been just dominant. Meanwhile, UCLA has really struggled, uh, they're one and four, um, against the spread in the last five games. Chip Kelly has really struggled, um, to do much of, of anything consistently, uh, as far as consistency with this team. So Utah minus three feels like a slam dunk. This is probably the game I'm going to bet most heavily this week.
2: I like it. I was sitting there looking at another one and I decided not to do it. But uh, just as a reminder, North Texas plays this weekend. North Texas likes to have a lot of points in their games. So if that number comes down from currently sixty four and a half, comes down in the like 62 range, just feel comfortable firing at it. They like to, they're not good on defense and they're uh, pretty good on offense. I like it.
1: You have any, uh, any upsets that you, uh, you might be, you might be peeking at.
2: Yeah. So while I do think that uh, Tulane deserves to be the favorite in that game against army, um, it's a silly line. Then I'm getting plus value on army who is a six and one team coming into this game. I will be taking army at plus plus one sixty five. I like that. Uh, one of the ones I like uh, Northwestern at
1: Purdue to me, this should be more of a uh, pick them. Purdue's offense has been really, really good. Uh, another one of these teams in the, in the big 10 that's uh, got a, a fun receiving core. So give me Purdue at plus plus one twenty-five. Uh, not a huge number there in, in the plus.
2: Uh, but, but I think that they have a, a really good shot at just winning this outright. And then I don't entirely know why Miami is an underdog against Virginia tech. You're not getting much plus value, but you are getting some plus value. Um, get Miami plus 105. Um, I kind of like this as a parlay spot on a little bit of a enhancer play. I don't necessarily, they're not a lock to win this game. They do have some injuries, but I do, I, I mean, I think they're the more talented team. And Virginia Tech's been, the word to describe Virginia Tech this season has been drunk. Um <laughs> they're not good, they're not terrible, but they're drunk. Um, I, I could very easily see Miami going in and running the, running away with this game. And honestly, you won't be able to get, I don't think you'll be able to get plus number on Miami seven minutes into the game.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I actually had this one on my card. Uh, originally, I had uh, Miami plus two and a half because of all the things you said. Virginia Tech's just been so wildly inconsistent. And uh, Khalil Herbert, if he doesn't play uh, for Vitek, it could be could be trouble for them on offense as well. Their defense has been real rough. Uh, a lot of it because of COVID stuff and just struggling to find people to, to put out in the secondary. But I like that play a lot. Miami at plus value is a, a good choice. Uh, my biggest one, uh, my at plus 210, give me Colorado at Stanford. Stanford's had some injury problems of their own, some COVID issues. Uh, Colorado looked really good offensively. Again, it was against UCLA, but uh, they were able to put some stuff together Uh, They've had some injuries of their own at the running back position, so hopefully they're uh, healthy there. But Colorado, plus 210, uh, I like the value. Um, I don't know if I think it's going to happen in all reality, but at plus 210, it's worth putting a a little bit of money on for sure. It happens enough time, as Tom Fernelli says, it happens
2: enough time to to warrant the bet. Happens 2.1 times um, for every, or vice versa. Whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Screw it. Happens one time every... 2.1 2.1 or 3.1 opportunities so yeah screw it i like that pick Math, cool. i'm tired
1: Math is hard and yeah i'm excited for you know it's kind of a I, I i wonder if maybe i i made my slate so full just so that i could have a little bit more uh incentive to watch football this weekend because none of the matchups on paper are like must see tv you know, from like a top 10
2: you're a jerk
1: what <laughs>
2: i'm just kidding Oh okay. It'll be fun, even if it's yeah. <laughs>
1: gross. So gross. No, I always like watching uh like top twenty-five teams face off against each other and, and we don't have that this week, but uh but there is still some fun football to, to be had, and I'm really excited about a lot of these picks that we're we're uh just marching through here. So be another good week, of course. Uh Matthew, do you have anything to leave uh the good people with? Bye, Chris Alave and Garrett Wilson. There you go. And Ninjigba,
2: <laughs> Also Jackson Smith and Jigba.
1: Yeah, buy them all. Buy all three. Great. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we will be back with you uh, next week. Of course, uh, it drops on our personal feed on Thursdays and then Friday mornings at the Rotoviz radio feed. Please uh, follow us on Twitter. You can find Matt at WispyTheKid and I am StayFunLaco. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.
0: is finally over oh, not Roadshow road show is back soul, the of the me. october 13th jiffy lube live we are not featuring slipknot with kill switch engage Fever 333 and code orange oh, tickets on sale now at livenation.com part of the mattress warehouse concert series